Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Handball and Numbers, the Handball Tips podcast. You're probably wondering why you're listening to me and not Mark as usual in the beginning. The reasons for that is easy. Mark is not available today because he travels to Norway where he's coaching, but he'll be back tomorrow. So I'll be doing it alone today. But to compensate for that, I've invited two guests today, but more on that later. The game that we're focusing on today is Denmark versus Sweden, which Sweden won 33-30. Top scorers for Denmark were Johan Hansen and Matthias Gitzel, both with five goals. And for Sweden, Jonathan Karlsbogard and Lukas Sandel, both with six goals. In the last podcasts, we focused more on team performance, on a team level. Today, we are talking about different player evaluation metrics. We're all, or at least many metrics that are tracked in the box score and a stat sheet are added and weighted. So in all these metrics, you get positive points for positive actions such as goal or an assist, and you get negative points for negative actions such as turnovers or missed shots. There are a couple of these player rating metrics that exist, and I'll just introduce them to you briefly. First, we have the player score by Oliver Brosig and uh, Jörn Urmeister, where all the, the actions, the positive and negative actions, are weighted by when they happen in the game and how close the game is. So, for example, a goal with 20 minutes to play, where one team leads with 10 goals, gets less point than a goal with 5 minutes to play, where the game is tied. The second metric that we have is the HPI by the German Bundesliga. There you also get points for how hard it's to score on each shot. For example, backcourt goal gets more points than a goal from six meters. Then third, we have the MEP, which is used by the Danish League. It's very similar to the HPI, but has different weights. And that's the thing for all of these metrics. They just weight the points differently. There's also the Bidea scoring by Francisco Romero and his team. Pretty much the same goes for that. You get negative points, you get positive points, and they are weighted differently. And also, usually there are more stats added than you get from the regular box score. But for today, we just use the numbers from, from the regular stats sheet. There are also the player grades by HP stats from Iceland. The ratings, again, are similar. They also have uh, ratings for offense and ratings for defense, which are separate from their overall rating. What's also very interesting is that they include, for example, legal stops and, and chances created and rebounds. So it's more than what you usually get. But obviously, you can't calculate that from the play-by-play -play that's, that's usually put out. And last but not least, we have the IPI by our French friends uh, Data7 and Match, which is well similar to, to these metrics before. You get weighted points here as well for the difficulty of the shots um, and it's a bit more detailed, but sadly, we don't have numbers on that for today. Since Mark can make it today, I invited two guests. And, well, we keep our average with one Olympian per episode because our first guest is Einar Bern Jonsson, former Icelandic national player who played actually in the 2004 Olympic Games and is now a commentator and, well, expert, I think, for Icelandic television. He's joining us live from Tokyo. Hello, Einar. Hello. Our second guest is statistician Oliver Brosig. He's probably the well, greatest expert, I think, available on these player ratings as he has developed the player score and was also part for the German Bundesliga task force for the HPI. Hello, Olli. Hello, and uh, thanks for the kind words. 
Aina, to start with, uh, let's compare your expert opinion with the different player ratings that we have. So to start with, let's look at Denmark against Sweden, the game that we'll focus a bit on today. Apart from goalkeepers, which we already dealt with in a detailed episode a few days ago, which three players did you think were the best in yesterday's game? Well, if we start with the, with the Swedish players, Albin Lagergren was obviously very effective, like he always is. He makes very few mistakes and uh, his decision-making is always really good. But I was really impressed also with uh, Jonathan Kalsbogot. He took a little bit more responsibility than we've, than we've seen from him in this, in this tournament. So I was, I was pretty in, in impressed with his, his contribution yesterday, especially since uh, Gottfriedsson wasn't as effective as we've seen him before. Yeah, these were maybe the two, two standout guys on the Swedish team and Lucas Sandell also very effective in, in everything that he did. And I think the Swedish team was really, they played to their strengths in the game yesterday. It, of course, wasn't, the game wasn't that important for Denmark. They yeah. just needed to avoid losing too high. But I think the Swedes really did everything, everything that they did. They did with precision and high accuracy and high efficiency. And from the Danish side, obviously, Mikkel Hansen wasn't really on his best game shooting-wise yesterday, but he always has. I mean, it's really a game that Mikkel has under five assists. <laughs> and yesterday, it was no, no different from him. And Matthias Giesel, I think, was the best player for, for Denmark yesterday. And these were, yeah, like the, the four or five players that really stood out yesterday. But uh, like I say, it really wasn't that important a game for Denmark. So I think that... It, If they really had needed to win, they could have uh, changed up a gear. But still, compliments to Sweden for, uh, for their efficiency and, and clever play, I think, yesterday. Yeah, I think that the, the numbers will compare very well to what you said, because I think that uh, for most stats I've, I've looked at, uh, well, are pretty much the same or have picked out pretty much the same players as you have. So, Oli, when you look at the player score, well, are there any differences to what uh, Einar said? Yeah, starting with the Swedish guys, um, Karlsbogart and Lagergren did, did a really good job took, taking a look at the player score. This was the second and the third best performance of the game. And as, as Aina mentioned, Sandel, yeah, he was the, the, the third best Swedish player. So I think on the, the Swedish side, um, Aina's opinion and the player score are, are on the same level. On the, the Danish side, Gitzel stood out. Um, he was over 10 points better than, than Karlsbogart. I'm not really sure how he, he does it. He's, he's dynamic and he, he does a lot of good things. But that, that he's 10 points better than the second best player, that surprised me. But he did a really Especially good since they lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, and then um, Hansen, the right wing, and Mürgard uh, were the, the second and third best player on the on the Danish side. Yeah, and I've also calculated the HPI, the MEP, the the DEA, and I've gotten the grades from the HP stats guys, and they all are pretty much uh, say the same. So the best four players for for each metrics have been Karlsbogard, Gitzel, Sandel, and Lagergren different order sometimes but it's pretty much the same so i think it always depends a bit on on which actions you you weight higher and which lower and but i think that all these metrics and uh, your expert opinion Aina, go in the same direction also that Mikkel hansen didn't have his best game 
there are some differences. For example, the HPI says that it actually was just an average game. The other metrics say that he was the fifth best player. But I think that these are things that depend on how you weight different actions. But the overall um, message, I think, is pretty much the same. Um, I think what's, what's special for Mikkel Hansen is I normally calculate two different versions of the player score, one without penalties and one with penalties. And if I took a look, take a look at the position version, so taking out the seven meter shots, Mikkel Hansen goes up to the, the fourth place overall in the game. So um, I think the worse or the, the not so good penalty shooting by him uh, makes a big uh, impact on the scores um, yesterday for him. So maybe let's look at the whole tournament now. And I think that one player that we've already mentioned is pretty high on every ranking. So um, I know you've seen a lot of the games live. Well, who are the, the best five players of the preliminary round for you? And again, without goalkeepers. Yeah, uh, I think the obvious choice is, is Mikkel Hansen and, and Matthias Gitzel. They've both been mm -hmm. excellent for Denmark, both in, in scoring and also in assisting. They're two uh, so very intelligent players. They know when they have the best chance to score and they know when, when someone else has a better chance to score than they do. So uh, I've been really impressed with both of these guys and especially Gitzel. He's such a young player. I was really impressed with him in Egypt in January and my impression of him has only grown uh, during these, these Olympics. I think it's, it's pretty easy always to say just Sander Sagosen that he's been one of the best and I think statistically he has been, but he's not been as good as maybe the Norwegians yeah. had hoped because he needs to do more uh, this time because there's no Johannesen and now also O'Sullivan is also injured. Sander Sagosen, I think... If you, if you measure him against every other player, like the normal player in a tournament like this, he is, of course, one of the best. But you hold him to such a high standard that he's, of course, been one of the best players here. But I really expect, expected a little bit more from him. From the German games I've seen, I've been impressed with Philipp Weber on occasions. He's had good games and he's had really bad games. And when he has good games, he's really, really good. But I think on average, he wouldn't rate really, really that high. Yeah, I think I have to throw Karlsborgård in there as well, especially after last night's game. He was also, I think, one of the best Swedish players against Egypt, although they, they lost. I think Nikola is back, but yeah. he's not played as much as, as, as before. And they have such an even team that no one player really stands out. They divide the minutes so well, they divide the shots and everyone plays their part. Diga Mem also, Remeli when he, when he has a good game. I'll stick to those uh, three, Sagosen, Hansen, Gitzel, and put like seven guys from fourth until tenth. Yeah, for, for all the metrics that I have, the HPI, the MEP, and the Bidea, all of these three are amongst the, well, let's say the top ten and in most under the, the top five. So I think that your uh, well observation is, is very accurate. And of course, Gitzel is absolutely outstanding. He's Uh, I yeah. think the number one in every metric and we've talked about him a bit before in, in our episode on expected goals that it's just that it's just his style of play is just so great and so efficient with always getting to to six meters and, and getting these these high percentage shots and he's shooting at, at 77 which is phenomenal for a backcourt there comes the intelligence that he has he yeah he knows where his highest shooting or highest percentage chances are for shooting 
Yeah. And so he actively seeks those out and he doesn't jump from 10 meters and, and try to try to sh shoot or score from there. He knows that that's not his strength. Exactly. And I think that's so important to, especially from a statistical standpoint, this makes so much sense to, to go for these, for these shots because they are higher efficient than just shooting from nine or 10 meters all yeah. the time. So, and yeah, you see that he's playing absolutely phenomenal. Obviously you have to have the tools to, to do that. Not everyone uh, just can go through the defense and, and get all these, these good shots, but he is absolutely great at it. And he's, I mean, he's so young and, and playing so good. It's really someone that will have to watch for the next couple years. So Oli, I think Gitzel is number one in your player score as well, right? Yeah, yeah. With a, with a big distance to the second place. So I think take a look at the player score per game. He has around about 24. And the next best player has 12 to 13 points so per game. <laughs> so it's it's really big distance. And I, I really love to, to see him play. And But he has, to, has Mikkel Hansen on the other side. So it, it helps a lot, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it gets still it's 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 wonderful to watch. Yeah. Yeah. According to to the player score, who, who were maybe players that Aina didn't mention uh, yet that were standing yeah. out so far? Yeah, I'm just wondering a bit that he's not talking about the the, the wing players as he he played on the position um, in the past. We have uh, Hugo Descar and and Gomez from from uh, Spain. They throw the penalties, so this helps. They are the second and third best players player score so far. Uh, Timo Kastening from Germany, I think he he's doing really really good. So these are the he's on the top list, and uh, without the penalties, by far the best right wing. And um, yeah, but then there are Mohamed from Egypt, Karlsbogard, Hansen, um, Lagergren. We mentioned before, so these guys are, are up next uh, in, into the list and. Um, Yeah, what I, what, what I really find interesting, as you talked about Sargosen, he's not on the best 25 list here in, in, on, on my side, but uh, O'Sullivan is. He's on, on, I think, 13th best player so far in the tournament. And um, yeah, Remeli from France is, is in the list. And uh, also, uh, you mentioned Weber. Um, he's uh, in the top 25 together with Weinhold from the German perspective. Weber is um, yeah, some kind of interesting, you know, some, some good parts, some bad parts, but um, Weber is playing a good role, I think. In, in the Bundesliga, he's, he has more faces in his game that, that, that are not that good, I think. So I think from, from his potential or what he does um, normally, he, he plays a good tournament and we see this in the numbers here. And it'll be interesting uh, when he goes to Magdeburg next season if he can keep up the his play at the better team. I think that Weber is an is an interesting case because he's like maybe the perfect example for where problems can lay with these metrics. Because well, he doesn't play in defense, and most numbers that go into these metrics, uh, well, you get them on offense. For defense, there's only steals and blocks, and uh, for offense, there are assists and goals, which happen way more often than steals and blocks. Some grades, for example, the grades from HP stats, well, they also have legal stops or, or rebounds where you get points for. And I know that there are versions of the player score that do that as well. 
So Aina, do you think that these metrics, so for example, uh, legal stops or rebounds should become a standard in handball to improve these kind of metrics? And uh, well, do you maybe see any other improvements for, for measuring defense from a statistical standpoint? I think it's always difficult to, to measure defensive work in, in a statistic. I think what HB Stats is doing with his legal stops and, and rebounds and, and things like that is, uh, is a pretty good indication of defensive work. But it's not really... I mean, some of the best defense is done by hindering someone doing something that he wants to do without maybe fouling him. So yeah. it's always difficult yeah. to measure... I mean, the best defensive player is the guy who's always in the right place so that the offensive player doesn't even think about shooting or, or trying a breakthrough or something like that. And that's something you can't measure. But I think, I think really if you have to measure everything in a player in one game, you have to add defense also in, into it. But I understand that it, it's really, really difficult to get an accurate measurement of, of defensive work. Yeah, and I think it's always a, a team thing. So you have to help the other guy and, and so on. Yeah. So it's not always that the one individual that is uh, responsible for anything. And no, I mean, like if, if, you, if you're playing a 5-1 or a 3-2-1 defense and you have the guy playing in front of the defense, he, he very rarely fouls someone. But yeah. he is in a big part the most important guy or the most important player in the defense. But that statistically, you will never see that measured. You can't measure it. But you can see it, but you can't measure it. You can't say that, like, when the Croatians play their 5-1 defense and the guy playing in, in front of the defense, his whole game is trying to uh, stop passes going where they want to go, stop players play, uh, running where they want to go, but without fouling them. So that's the diff difficulty of measuring defensive work. Yeah, and some kind of the, even the negative points you get for a two-minute exclusion might be positive for the game. As, as I think, I, I remember Weinhold and Pekela. Sometimes I think they they just say, "Okay, stop here. It's over. If you come here, it, it hurt, really hurts." And yeah. they yeah. say, "Okay, this this one two-minute suspension is fine for us." But yeah. the player knows there's no way you can go here without pain. And this also helps the team as a, as a total. But it's, why not often, for even in the Bundesliga, he gets often minus points, but he's really good in the, in the defense. It yeah, helps. I think it's the deterrence factor. If you come here, you get hurt. Yeah. And you send yeah. a message with one really good two minute suspension. And then it's a negative in the defense, but it's a positive, positive overall for the game. Yeah. For, yeah. You, for your team, at least. All right, so I think we're already going towards the ending. So to finish this off, um, Aina, do you think that using these metrics regularly or more often on TV, do you think that this could help both your work as a commentator or maybe would be a good good tool for coaches or even just help the people to understand the game of handball easier? Yeah, definitely. This, was, this is something that I always missed from my playing days. Because looking only at goals scored is, is not really uh, an accurate measurement of the overall game. And I think also most of these metrics is something that most coaches or most coaches I had, they tried to measure this anyway. During games and during training, they were, all, they were, they were not only looking at who scored the goals, they were looking at, at the assists and uh, decision-making and, and all of these aspects. Because this is... A much more accurate description of a player and of a team 
And I definitely think this helps uh, as a commentator. I've used the HP stats uh, metrics mm -hmm. for the last few few years, even live during the games and also after the games in, 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 the, in the studio commentary. So this definitely helps. And it also, I think, adds something for the spectator. Yeah, so I completely agree with you. From my experience, pretty much every coach has its own metric where maybe some more things that are important to him uh, are rated higher or go in. I think this can help everyone. Obviously, there are some problems that we've already discussed um, and you have to keep that in mind, I think. But overall, it's just just a very good tool to, uh, to give a quick overview of, of performance that simple number of goals, uh, well, does Yeah, yeah. Um, well, all right. I think that was already it for today. Thank you so much, Aina and Oli, for, for being my guests today and for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. So join us again tomorrow, where we'll be joined by Royal Frack and we'll talk Denmark versus Norway. And obviously, Mark will be back then as well. Until then, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. It's everywhere at Handballytics. Or go to handpolitics.de to get daily stats that we are talking about on here for each single game. Well, until then, see you tomorrow.